0: You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Hi, I'm Rick and I'm a compulsive eater and I'm glad to be here this morning first uh, can everybody hear me okay I have this because I got it okay great so I'm I'm sitting here in Miami right now um, and the backdrop that you see is that's you know that's not uh, something that I put up there that's actually my backyard um, <laughs> you know and, and I live on on a it's a really big body of water and it's calming and it's soothing and it's relaxing and it's what Miami is all about for me um, I started out, but you know, I I never know where I want to start, but yet I always know where I go to. So the thing that I want to say is that I've got multiple addictions. I'm not going to talk about the others, but I, I have them. And the truth of the matter is that what I would best call myself is a binge because my whole life, until I started to get control of it, I would binge on anything that altered my mood. I saw a definition of addiction once, which was That addiction is anything we do on a constant basis that is mood altering, and has negative life consequences. So, uh, so when it came, so I did all these different things, and I could deny that I had the problems because I'd say I don't do them all the time. Until somebody said, "When's the last time you didn't do that?" You know, and it shot me in the heart. Um, And I didn't start out as an overweight individual. In fact, I was a skinny kid. I only had one gear, and that gear was run. <laughs> That's all, you know. Run. That's it. If I had to go from here to the kitchen, run. Cross town, run. You know, just the kind of kid I was. And um, but yet, I had the isms early on. So I, I'm going to tell you a little story. Oh, I got to start my timer too. Um, I was a little kid and we lived in, in Atlantic City, New Jersey. My family had a guest house. Now they call them bed and, uh, bed and breakfast, you know. Uh, family stayed with us and this one family was staying with us and the little, their, their child, who was younger than me, was scared to death of the water. And he would stay right at the top of the beach, wouldn't even, and it's a big beach. But for some reason I started to play with him and work his way, I was preschool. But I worked him down to the water until we were finally playing in the water, you know? And all the adults praised me, and I felt acceptance, and I felt a sense of esteem, and I felt good, and I felt a part of, and I felt confident, and it felt wonderful. So the next day, we're back at the house, and the little kid is playing with, he picked up a a model rocket that my brother had helped me build a, a model. It was a redstone rocket, I think, and it had sharp fins. So I, now I was his protector. So I said, please give me the, the rocket. And he didn't give it to me. I said, give it to me, please. And he didn't give it to me. And I grabbed onto it and I pulled it and he gripped down. So cut his hand open, you know. So the next thing I know, he's screaming and he's bleeding. And all the same adults are coming in and they're saying, what would you do? What's wrong with you? And I swear it was before, before, you know, uh, Dr. Phil, but I I distinctly remember hearing, what were you thinking? You know, that kind of thing. And I didn't feel a part of, and I didn't feel accepted, and I felt like an ax murderer, you know. And I think I spent a lifetime after that chasing after wanting to be accepted, wanting to be a part of, wanting to be – in satisfaction of those instincts that we all have for fellowship, uh, for society um, to be a part of. And um, and I chased it and I chased it and I chased it. And I didn't feel good about myself. The interesting thing is that I was a popular kid. I was accepted by friends, you know, but yet I always felt different. I had, you know, I was I had access to great schools and I had access to Everything I could need, but yet I felt different. I just felt different. You know, it was tough. It was tough, but you wouldn't think it from the outside, you know? You wouldn't think it. So then, let me just show you where I got to in my life. Can we do the picture now? Or soon, whenever we can get to that. So here we go. So here's a little picture. It's not really strong, but guess which one I am in this picture? This is my family, my mother, my brother his wife and and his daughter. And what can you tell from this picture? The starting point is, today I'm 205 pounds. In this picture, which is about 20 or 21 years ago, I am 275 pounds. Um, And the other thing that you'd notice in this picture is they're on one side, and I'm separated from them. And I never thought about that until I looked at this picture a bunch of times. It was the same thing. I gained weight. I didn't feel a part of. I was even getting comments from my family. You need to, you know, you need to lose weight. What's going on here? Da 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 da. I was already in other programs, um, and that's an interesting story too. But anyway, so that's two seventy-five. This is me today. So that's we can let this one go. Um, I was a big guy. And, the, you know, the thing about that big guy is that I'm not a big framed individual. So at 275, my face, I'm a thin-faced guy. My face was big and underneath. I couldn't tie my shoes in one shot. It took three or four times to tie my shoes. You know, it was really just just bad news. So I, I got I eventually went to undergraduate. And I went to graduate school and I became a lawyer. And I met a woman who was the love of my life. And I have wonderful kids and I got in a big, big law firm and I got a big house off of what's called Old Cutler Road, which is a really beautiful, prestigious area in Miami. Everything was really great, but everything wasn't really great because I had the ism. So I drugged and I drank and I ate and I started to go on the gain weight, 165, 175, 185, 195, 165, one seventy. 200, 185, 210, and I started this yo-yo dieting up and down, up and down, and I was really great at the diet, you know, what do you have to do, burn more calories than you consume, nutrition, easy stuff, and it worked every time until it didn't work, until it didn't work. So eventually I got, I went from being in a big, big power company, law firm who said they were going to make me a partner to a year later having them say, you know, it's not really working out. We're gonna give you some money, please leave. And I worked my way down, you know. My relationships blew up, the family went away, the kids went away, and I'm, I'm talking about the divorce. The house went away, uh, the big expensive cars went away, the big law firm prestigious jobs went away and I was solo and I got I got a job. I didn't get a job, I got a law partner. Um, who had all the same problems I did. He was was bigger than I was. He had a bigger eating disorder than I did. He could drink more than me and do more drugs than I could. So I could always look at him and say, oh, this guy's got a problem. Well, we were brothers. We were friends. We were great friends. But what happened? You get in a little trouble because you're addicts, and that includes food. So eventually people complained that we found ourselves in front of a lawyer who represents lawyers. Um, And this lawyer who represents lawyers who are in trouble said, what's going on here? Something's wrong here. I can hear it. I can smell it. I can see it. I don't know what you are. You're alcoholics. You're addicts. You're something. I don't know what it is. You need to go see these people. Um, And I agreed to him. My law partner didn't. But he finally succumbed hesitatingly. And we had this first meeting, and at this first meeting, I walked in, I was 275, and these people, who the director and the assistant director, who had substantial time in recovery, not eating disorder recovery, you know, said, tell us what's going on. Why are you here? And after the nice conversation, I, I said, oh, man, this is where they do what everybody else has always done to me. They say, What's wrong with you? What were you thinking? You're no good. You're going to have to pay for this. And I finally said the things that were really wrong. And this person in recovery looked at me and he said, He looked at me for a minute and he said, I I understand. Never in my life. He said, I understand. He didn't boomerang back on me, it didn't come back to hit me a day later. Or two days later, or the next time I spoke to somebody about what was wrong in my life. And then we talked some more, and he said, You know, not only do I understand, but I did that. And I felt the sense of acceptance and the sense of fellowship and a sense of love and of somebody who was like me. So he said, What's, you know, you've got it's alcohol, it's drugs. But he looked at me, you know, and he didn't say, By the way, Rick, I see that you're like, you're big you know you're having trouble breathing you know it's obvious you're you're blowing out of your clothes here you know no because this society doesn't accept food disorders as the cause of a professional problem that can be used in defense of the reason that you have the problem in the first place so that was 20 years ago and and i've stayed in touch with them and i'm no longer a lawyer uh, but they're still my friends and they still don't recognize an eating disorder as something that they can take to uh, bar associations or the Supreme Court uh, to say that you have a problem, you know? So I I went about my business getting sober, staying sober, working the big book, learning the big book, loving the big book, loving spirituality, being overweight, way overweight, until the doctor said, Rick, Guess what? We, we got back your blood work. You're a type two diabetic, so you need to control your weight. And we need to give you medications, and you need. to da, 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 da. We're going to put you on in insulin. And I said, No, 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 no. Start with medication. And he said, so People at your level, you know, you just go to the insulin. Why play with it? You're going to mess up on it, you know. So I immediately got knowledge about nutrition and diabetes. Got knowledge about calories. Exercise everything expanded to cover diabetes, and I quickly lost a bunch of weight and went back. And the doctor said, "This is wonderful. You can stay on the pills." You know, and I was having breakfast with my AA friend, AA, and after an early morning meeting, they said, "Let's go to breakfast." You know, yeah, of course. So we were going to breakfast, and I naturally told them, "Listen, guys, you know, you can have whatever you want." I'll be eating a little oatmeal, a little fruit, you know. That's it, because I can control these things. I know what I'm doing. I, you know, da 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 And the, the waitress came, and and I said, give me that big, huge thing, and give me extra sides of this, that, and give me this, and give me that, give me everything. You know, and they all looked at me. And I ate it all. I ate it all. And I was sitting there and I thought about the big book and Bill Wilson's story and his second step. And I said, oh, my God, knowledge didn't work. I'm powerless over food. I can't control it. Oh, my God, my way didn't work. So one of the guys at the table, I recalled, had some connection to eating disorder meetings. I said, you know where I can get a meeting? And he said, yeah. There's one that starts in 20 minutes at the hospital up the street. And I ran to this, and there were two meetings going on. One, it was like a big, huge room with bifold big sliding doors. It was in a hospital. One of the meetings was OA. The other meeting was, not OA how, but it was... CEA HAL, which sounds a lot like this, and it, it ran exactly like the way this ran. I went into the CEA HAL meeting and they had gray sheet and and they had strict orders on what you could say or not say, when you could share, if you especially if you weren't uh, if you didn't have time, you know. Um, and I didn't go into the OA meeting, and I got a year and a half, you know. I got a year and a half and I worked the steps. I had already worked the steps a number of times, but I worked the steps in CEA how and, uh, and I dropped weight for a year and a half. This is like around 19, about 20, I'm sorry, 20, uh, 2002 or so. Um, and I was doing really well. You know, I was doing so well. I lost so much weight that what did I do? I, I was divorced. I got the girl. <laughs> I got the girl and the girl wasn't in the program. So all of a sudden I started looking at how she maintained her very slim figure and she had her own diet. And I said, what's good for her can't heighten me, you know? So I kind of slowed down a little bit on the meetings and I started going with her diet. And the next thing I know, I've gained 40, 45 pounds, you know? And the girl breaks up with me and says, "Like, you're a fat slob. <laughs> Out of here, you know? Thank you. Okay. Um, and and it happened again. You know, it happened again. Oh my god, I realized that I left the program. I didn't leave all the programs, you know. And I kind of went to some meetings. So I came back and I went to OA. I went to OA. And um, what I realized and what what is the most important thing here for me is that this is a spiritual program and even though I thought I was spiritually fit as a result of being sober in another program, somebody said to me, hey Rick the credits aren't transferable. This is OA. You've got to work these steps and these tools, these tools are here to support your work in the steps. So you need to do those too. And ever since then, I can't say that I've been abstinent at all times but i can say that i've i've not binged in at least 10 years at least um, and and I'm not perfect that way but i'll tell you what did happen i came in an atheist there was no chance I wanted to believe in God um, i came in with no spirituality and i came in you know based science-based if it wasn't science I didn't want to hear it But I've had the opportunity as a result of becoming a member of Overeaters Anonymous of uh, expanding my knowledge spiritually. Um, And today I can tell you that I believe in God. It's the most important thing in my life. I'm not going to tell you anything about my God because there are two reasons. One, it's not your business. And two, more importantly, we're joined together because we all have the same disease. It manifests in different ways. And we all are joined together on an even stronger basis because we are involved in a solution which includes spirituality. So the fact that we have a spiritual solution that we walk on joins us all together. But if I tell you what my higher power is, or if you tell me what your higher power is, then perhaps I'll think that you think yours is more important than mine, or I'll think that mine is better than yours, and that'll separate us, you know? So I don't talk about the specifics. So I will tell you that on a daily basis, I spend a very substantial amount of time in, I call it my devotional time, which is the 11th step, in guided meditations, in reading uh, materials, AA, OA, sanction, but I also study on an academic basis and and other, all different things, you know, everything, uh, Christianity, Judaism. You know, Hinduism, philosophy, quantum mechanics, you know, the whole nine yards of it. We're down to like a minute, I think. Okay. So, um, and I love it all. And I used to hate people. I did. I I loved a few. I was indifferent to the many, and I hated the rest. And today, I've gotten to a place where I, I love the most. I care about everybody. And the word hatred is no longer in my lexicon, except when I'm referring back to the life I've lived before. And today I feel a sense of going from being irritable, restless, and discontented to happy, joyous, and free. we going from anger and hatred to a place of peace and serenity. Not all the time, but enough of the time so that I know when I don't have it, I can look at it, stand the solution. I absolutely love you all. And I know that sounds a little funky. And um, I used to dislike the people who said, my name is Rick. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater, and I'm never alone with God. And today I can tell you, I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. And I'm never alone because I have you guys and I have my higher power. I'm so grateful to be here today. And thank you for allowing me to do it. Thank you.